Welcome back, everybody, to the Critical Solutions Podcast. I'm Mason. And I'm Josh. And today we are so excited to introduce our very first guest on the podcast. She has been at the top of our guest wish list since the very beginning. She attended school at UT Austin and graduated from their radio, television, film program before getting a master's degree from the UC Berkeley School of Journalism. After finishing school, she went on to be a television producer at NBC and CBS. She left to become an assistant professor in the School of Communication at Northern Arizona. She got out to the great state of Indiana, where she then became a professor of communication and director of the Digital Media Production Center at Purdue University, and even taught the video production class where Josh and I met. Yeah, that was a really fun class. It was like going on a field trip every day to the businesses around town. Yeah, it really was. It was a lot more than just sitting in a class. I know we both enjoyed that a lot. She actually now has her own podcast called The Pod Class. If you're interested in learning podcasting or teaching it, this is the pod for you. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Diatzlon-Smith. Welcome, Tony. Hi, guys. Thank you. I wasn't sure if I should pipe uh, pipe up during that intro, but I definitely had some things to say. Actually, your class was, the class me and Josh had together was probably my favorite class that I took. Um, that was the all client, my years at Purdue. client-based class? Yep. Yes. Yep. Fun class, for sure. You're also the reason why we're here. I know I took your podcast class, but you're the big reason why we did what we did at while we were at Purdue, so... And this is now like one of the most successful podcasts out of Indiana, right? That's, is that... that's what I hear. Yeah, that's what I'm glad I hear. you knew. <laughs> no, I, no, it's good to hear that. Um, I know we're supposed to complain, but uh, you guys are awesome students, and the classes are fun. They're fun to teach. They're fun to take. So I can't complain. I have colleagues that teach chemistry and math, and uh, they're, you know, it's like uh, not as fun. I'll say. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Not as fun. You know, if you're going to go to Purdue, don't be an engineer where, you know, most of the people get their really prestigious degrees. Be communication yeah. where you can have fun and have cool professors. Yeah. And you don't, well, you wait tables and you do what you love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, Tony, I got to know, what do you have to complain about? What's been bothering you recently? I told you guys, I'm not a complainer. I don't like <laughs> to complain about things. I wouldn't even... You know, you see people who get so irritated all the time, you know, driving to work. And, and I just like, I don't know how anyone could live like that. It would be, you would have a heart attack by 40. So now yeah. um, nothing, nothing right now. I have to say I'm pretty good. Well, well, that's, I mean, that's good to hear. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? All right. Podcast over. <laughs> Bye. Thanks everyone. So since there's nothing like that to complain about, is there a recent, recent frustrating or like annoying or something experienced while at work that you wish would have went better or could have been improved upon? Yeah, I mean, I don't, nothing I want to talk about here because I don't want anyone to like, I don't want to get fired or subpoenaed. Just right, kidding. of course you don't have to get into specifics or whatever it is. But <laughs> What about you guys? What's annoying you all? I mean, your recent grads, what's going on? I mean, you know, it's not as easy as it, as it was in college and yeah. college wasn't the easiest as it was. So... <laughs> It's definitely, it's hard to, I think, transfer the skills that we learned in classes like yours to especially entry-level jobs, I think. Yeah. 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 I know my job a lot, I like I work in media, but I don't really do much creative stuff or yeah. even like 
touch a camera that often. Oh, really? So what are you doing? Getting coffee? <laughs> I'm, thankfully, I'm one step above that. I actually, okay. I'm a media specialist for NASCAR now, which is cool. I basically just, I handle their media inventory. Uh -huh. When shooters go out and get video of a race or an event or anything, they'll bring it back to us and we'll put it into kind of like our cloud storage system and everything. And then the reverse side of it, where if people need a clip for a project they're working on, we'll go find it and send it out to them. So I'm working with media, but it's more that I'm working with computers and email. And yeah, just you're doing like media out. management. Oh, I yeah. loved I loved our media managers at NBC. I would like literally I would give them Starbucks cards. They were just so fantastic. <laughs> and, and I don't know if this inspires you, but one in particular, she was like motivated to move up and she became a producer. Uh, she first started, really? you know, yeah, as an assistant producer for me at Dateline. And then she moved up and now she's a producer like for Dateline. Just that's her job. And wow. she started in media management. So I don't know if I don't know if you realize, but time, time, things will things will happen. It's it's a little encouraging for sure. You uh -huh. know, it's good to know that there's places to go that are just like a higher level version of where you're already at just tell some just tell someone who comes in i mean i did i did it like i knew that it was a grunt job and i was so appreciative when they like i would say get me this random clip and they would do it or they would get my video in really quick so i can turn something quick and yeah i was very appreciative of uh those folks so find that person at nascar and then ask them hey i want to be out <laughs> in the field <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the plan. I'm hoping, especially since, you know, it's such a big company that hoping it won't be too hard to move up the ladder a little bit. Yeah, for sure. For me, I've just been uh, freelancing kind of. So it's been interesting trying to translate everything we learned through working with like institutions and things like that. And I kind of uh -huh. was trying to make my own path and it's not been uh, I didn't think it was going to be easy, but I thought. It would have been easier, I guess. <laughs> the hustle, the freelance hustle is just, it's, and then it's feast or famine and you're just, yes. I, I, I couldn't do it, honestly. I, I, I need a lot of st stability. That's where I'm feeling it a little more now. So now I'm applying to a bunch of places and I thought that was going to go a little better than that's gone as well. So it's been fun out the gate to hit roadblocks, honestly, because then it's teaching me a lot to learn to move forward through things <laughs> i remember that i remember uh, after undergrad so i thought i would easily find something because i was so successful in my undergrad like i had films in film festivals i was on the radio i was um at interning at the pbs you know i had all done all the things and then i could graduate and i could not get a job i could not get a job yeah. anywhere and I was in Austin, which is very saturated. So even a freelance career would be really difficult at this at that early age. So I did what anyone else would do. I went to grad school, guys. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. There you go. Grad school or law school. <laughs> or law school, yeah. That's uh, definitely a different direction to take, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, I remember it because, you know, I graduated and I graduated one semester early, but I stayed up at Purdue just because, you know, I had the lease at my house and I was living with all my friends. So I stayed for an extra semester just to job hunt. And I remember it being really discouraging because it, I mean, it took me almost until the end of the semester mm -hmm. to get even my first job offer. Yeah. There's simultaneously so many jobs out there, but also such a scarcity of them for some reason. Oh gosh. And I went on so many interviews. I would go, I was, I remember I was in Nebraska. So I was in Austin, which is an amazing city to be in. But again, it's like oversaturated with media people. 
And so my boyfriend and now husband went to grad school in Nebraska. Like he was on the academic track. So it was like what he was supposed to do. And he didn't think I would go. Like who would leave Austin to go to Nebraska, you know? And I was like, <laughs> I have nothing going on. Let's let's go. Yeah. And I interviewed, you guys, I interviewed for every local station there to do camera, graphic. I didn't care at that point what I would do. I interviewed to do the farm report. Literally, <laughs> the farm report. Like, uh, I was just, it was surreal almost that um, pretending to be excited about farming and for an interview. And I got none of them. I didn't get any of them. That's a struggle I've been, I just haven't been able to get like interviews at a lot of places. I've done like a few phone ones. So I want to know what doesn't look good on my resume, things like that, but I can't even get like the feedback uh -huh. I'm looking for. So that's something to complain about we could roll with right now. Oh, definitely. It's like when jobs just either ghost you uh -huh. or just don't even get back. I just, I don't know. I think there's better ways they could go about that. Well, I, I like, again, I'm not a complainer. I'm always looking for solutions. But the way I found every job I, I have is through word of mouth. Honestly, I don't even, none of them were things I applied applied to. Um, there had to be somebody getting me in the door. Yeah, like a who you know versus what you know type thing. Yep. That's actually, I ended up getting my job in NASCAR too. I knew someone that used to work there a long time ago and he just uh -huh. asked his friend, hey, do you have any open jobs? He said, yeah, I got two right here. Applied to them both and ended yeah. up getting a response back on the first one. But I totally feel your struggle, Josh, with people not even giving you an interview because it seems like, I mean, you go on like Indeed or whatever website to apply for jobs and it seems like half the jobs you apply to are just sitting there and no one's monitoring it because you just yeah. won't get Well, it's a weight. slimy secret, guys, but a lot of those job postings, like now that I've been on the hiring end and I was and I was in a position where um, someone wanted to give me a job, they're required to post those as part of equal opportunity, whatever employment, but they really already have someone that they want for it. Yeah. So you got to figure a third of those are already the point. candidate already exists for them. Sorry. Yeah, it's rough, but that's, you know, that's where it comes into what you're saying about just like you need the connections, you need someone to get your foot in the door. I mean, you literally do. I had a student who now works at, um, and I, maybe, I don't know that this will cause problems, but uh, he he works at um, the Today Show now. But my friend at ABC, had uh, he's a producer, and he's like, hey, we have a job available uh, for entry level. You, you have any students who want to apply? I will make sure that um, their resume gets to the top of the pile. And uh -oh. that's literally how it works. It's like somebody yeah. will, if you have a connection, they will make sure that it gets read and noted. Regarding students, since you brought that up, it's a good way to go about this next question we have for you. In your teaching profession, what's, I know you don't like complaining, but is there something <laughs> you wish would go smoother or better than it currently does? Yeah, I thought a lot about this question because um, I do love my job. I love teaching. I love working with students, especially Purdue students. You guys don't even realize. I mean, I've only worked at one other university, but you guys were are so different from the students I had at that other <laughs> university. Like, just really? yeah, aces here. Um, you guys make it easy for me, basically. But I did try and pinpoint something that really bothers me, and I have to tell you, for me, um, lecturing is super awkward. It's like insane that I have to get up in front of people who like half don't want to be there, half their brain is not even there, their eyes are glazed over, and they're just looking at me and I'm just like, 
doing a song and dance, <laughs> but it's not entertaining. Um, I mean, I, I think about like stand-up comics, and I think that is actually easier because at least people are gonna are expected to laugh. They know the cue. Right. Whereas in class, students don't give a shit. Like you're like, any questions? No, of course not. Any comments? No, of course not. All right, but um, bum. Let's move on. Like I kind of wish I had a band or something that could be in between. <laughs> The go-between yeah. or something, but it is just, it's an awkward, weird job for sure. Or like how at comedy shows, most people are drinking in the audience and things like that. Maybe the if, students could drink. There we go. It... If we could get lubricated. But I think it's the opposite effect in that the students, they drink the night before, so they're even worse in class. <laughs> they're just completely zonked out. It's funny because in both situations, you're paying to be there, but in a completely different kind of way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. More well, and I'm sure like freshmen who come in and they don't even know how to act in a college class, you know? They're better. So freshmen oh, better? are great. Yeah, because they're used to high school, which you can assign things day of. They know it has to get done that night. They know they have to be someplace every hour. The seniors are like... They barely show up, and <laughs> and they're and they're very surprised when you ask them to do stuff. They're like, "Wait, what?" We're <laughs> <laughs> above this That's now. Great. Exactly, they're above it, and and uh, so you'd be surprised. I I think working. I love working with both though, because like I said, um, I'm okay with my job, so I'm not a good complainer on that front. But I wish I could lecture less. Do you notice a difference between virtual and in person? Like, do you prefer doing virtual or? I prefer doing virtual because it's kind of like a podcast. Um, I don't even want everybody's video on. It's so distracting to see everybody. Uh, <laughs> so I just do it like kind of like or more. It's actually more like a uh, like a call in radio show because then like, <laughs> like the that. chat will come up and I'm like, oh, we have a question <laughs> from Sam in West Lafayette. He wants to know, and you know, and and so for me, it actually the virtual is really conducive to my, I guess, my lecture anxiety slash awkwardness. Well, most of the classes I took with you were virtual, I think. I'm I so sorry. No, that, I mean, I enjoyed doing virtual too because it gave me kind of the freedom of where I feel like I'm not on display. I know I'm not up front, but I like it a little better and. For the record, I thought your classes were a lot more entertaining than the other ones, and Thanks. especially you. So Thanks. hopefully you don't think you're not too hard on yourself about that. <laughs> Thanks. No, I think the virtual one was better for me, like I said, because I did it like as if I was doing hosting a podcast. So it worked better uh, than standing in front of everybody. I, I think also just I like that everyone had their video off. I can't the, the eyes on me in class. is just so awkward. I just kind of want to sit with everybody and just like be normal. Um, it's to me, it's just an awkward setup. Yeah, no, I know it's a give and take for students too, from the student perspective, because you know, I I liked being able to roll out of bed and get to class, you know, and I especially liked it for like if I had a math class or like a chem class, you know. The only downfall is when it comes to classes like yours and other like media classes I've taken, where especially the one we had senior year, where we were doing a lot of client based stuff. You kind of want that in-person, like, interactive thing, but you uh -huh. also don't want to, you know, get up early, you're hungover. Uh -huh. So it's it's a give and take, for sure. I was just going to throw in the anecdote of Lee Chow backing up and hitting the pole on the way to class <laughs> and running late, <laughs> calling me, dude, I hit a pole, can you pick me up? Oh, <laughs> my gosh, and then me having to drive him to our shoots after that. <laughs> Waking him up. 
I didn't want to tell him to reshoot stuff, knowing that I would have to drive him there, but also the video <laughs> didn't look good, so we had to reshoot it. Looks great, Lee Chow. <laughs> Throw it <in> at it. <laughs> Lovely Chow. Keeps life entertaining, that's for sure. Yeah, he's still here. He's still making things lively. He's awesome. We plan on having him on in a couple weeks. That'll yeah. be fun to follow up on this with him. For sure. Going back to the teaching, is there a particular skill you've had to teach that you find more difficult to teach well, I guess, to students? Yeah, editing. Editing is the hardest thing to teach across the board. And I've taught classes that are literally, I've taught intro to editing. I've taught intermediate editing. I've taught advanced students and trying to do the editing. Um, it's a hard thing to teach because I'm an editor. I love to edit. I'm very, I would say I'm very good. I'm, I'm, in, edit, I'm in edit now where all I'm doing is polishing up someone's edit, you know? And so I can't, I think it's a me problem. I don't know how to communicate to students like how to do it well, like the pacing and beats and allowing things to happen and uh, letting the music guide your cuts and things like that that I do almost without thinking. Yeah. And the students see me editing and I'm going fast and I'm, and they're just getting frustrated because they're just sitting there like, okay, what's she doing? What am I doing? And <laughs> yeah. the edits look like hell and they're supposed to because they're new at it. But I'm just like, why would you do that? And editing is so tough to teach. And it's because I'm not good at teaching editing. I'm a good editor, but that's definitely something that doesn't translate for me in teaching. Do you think part of that has to do with some of that is like an intangible, like either you have it or you don't, like a feel for it. Oh, maybe. I'd say a little bit. Yeah, for sure. You have to be someone who kind of understands like the rhythm of not just like people talking, um, but you kind of have to be a study of like rhythm of life. When people will actually say um and when you can cut the um out when music should come in, you have like an ear. People who love music are very good editors. That's a really, um, that's something I used to teach in editing and I would just make students just listen to music before they would start editing, uh, just to start getting into beats and pacing and stuff like that. Um, but also I think I'm just, uh, honestly guys, and here's the complaint, I don't think I'm a very good teacher. I just wanna work with people. Like I wanna work with colleagues. Get so when we here. have classes where we're working together, you guys end up doing more and learning more. But when we have classes where I have to teach, that's where I'm just like, my intro class the, from the beginning to the end are looking at me like, what are we doing here, Tony? Like, what is <laughs> going on? Why has my work not gotten better? Why are we, why are we here? And uh, and I apologize. I think, Mason, did I have you for intro? I apologize for that. But, but uh, I'm much better when we have a project and we're just all working together. Well, I think that's just kind of where that subject thrives is like in the interactive stuff you know uh -huh. like it's it's hard to Hands teach on. people to edit by saying do this it, yeah. it's way easier to work with them on an edit you know and say okay look you can fix this by making this sharper or whatever with cameras and stuff oh you know press these buttons but you won't actually know until you get out there with a camera and i think you I, one of your edits i re-edited once right yeah, you did the <laughs> the parallel parking tutorial you re-edited huh. it and you kicked my ass. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> it, and that's the weird thing. It's like almost um, the way, best way for me to teach it is just to, I do end up re-editing a lot of the works, especially in that intro class. And and it clicks for students when they see their own work getting re-edited. Yeah. But it's also a little insulting 
uh, because I'm like sitting there. I did it in class and I was like, oh, this is garbage, guys. Let me lighten this up, you know, because I'm just talking out loud and they're just sitting there like. No, it was great seeing it because it was kind of just unexpected. You were like, oh, yeah, I just gave you like a quick re-edit. Here you go. I looked at it and I was like, holy crap. Like it just clicked in my head. I was like, oh, like that. Those yeah. minor things I was missing that just like ties it all in together. Like it was actually super, super helpful to me. And it was also just funny because it was like, <laughs> like, wow, was that that bad? <laughs> this was so bad. I had to re-edit it. I can't just grade this. Um, yeah. And I wish I could say the things like, I wish I could make the re-edit a spoken thing, like a lecture, but I, I just have to do it. And so that's why I'm a terrible editing teacher. Like I just edit it. I like what you said, how you said you teach like you're working kind of with colleagues mm -hmm. and me being a non-traditional student, I mm. came into older and I've worked full time in yeah. different fields of work. I think that's why I appreciated that a lot more yeah, um, because yeah. it felt like it was easy to collaborate with you. You're very approachable, but that approach, I, you might not think that's the best for other students, but with some people that probably clicks really well and they might not know it at the time, but then when they start working a job, they realize that it just feels like that class they're in. That's what you do. You know, your producer just tells you, you know, like, cut that out. Why is this so long? And the music sucks, you know? And, and <laughs> you're like, oh, okay. And in, I can't do that with students. You guys are learning. But um, okay. essentially, that's what I'm doing when I re-edit, right? I mean, Mason, you saw, like, I just, I did a, no. I just whacked it up and added music and some sound to it. It was good, yeah. And it's especially because, like, you know, as a student that, you're not re-editing because it's like, this sucks and I want to make it better. Uh -huh. You're re-editing because it's like, I know how this could, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, but <laughs> but like, I know how this could be better mm -hmm. and this is just the only way I know to show it to you. It's that one because you got all the coverage. That's a big thing that students don't realize either. We, You guys look at the end product, right? Which makes total sense because that's what you're going for. And what I'm looking at is all the pieces. So some students don't get enough coverage. They don't get enough shots to really make an edit. And some students like that parallel parking piece, ugh, aces. We got all the coverage we needed. It just needed some um, love, right, in the edit. And so that's the thing. I look at a lot of the pieces. And so I think students think I judge them. Like, oh, she thinks I'm <laughs> awful. Oh, she thinks I'm dumb. Oh, she thinks I'm not talented. But I don't even see students or anybody's work that way. I look at it in the pieces, like what's strength and what's weak, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that you say that editing is like kind of the hardest thing to teach because at least for me, I, Josh can chime in on this, but it was definitely one of the hardest things to learn mm. for me. Just because yeah. there's, there's so much that there is to do that how can you possibly teach all that? Yeah. Along yeah. with it just being so chaotic on the screen, you know, it's like sensory overload almost. Yeah. Yeah. And I do have a lot of years experience. I also got trained by masters essentially i mean the editors that i sat with and taught me things had been doing it at that point when i met with them 10 20 years professionally and they were giving me all these tips and tricks and things and so um i think that's another thing it's just uh going from student to seeing my work it's like it's not fair it's not fair for you guys <laughs> <laughs> you kind of solve a problem that we didn't you might not even known about with other professors where i feel like where somebody asks a question or tries to throw something out there and the professor's being nice and try not that you aren't nice but they just try to like fluff their response so it's not as like harsh I guess but you're just like 
no, this is how this is done. And it's nice because it speeds things up and it gets to the point. So being blunt myself, I thoroughly enjoy that part about it. Oh man, that was hard. That was hard for me to, so coming my first, when I started teaching, I was coming from New York and New York, I think is the friendliest town ever. Um, for example, one time I dropped my keys and someone said, Hey, you dropped your fucking keys on the floor. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. And I went and picked him up. So that's that's the kind of friendly we're talking about. Blunt, forward, yeah. get Good your Samaritan. attention. But you're doing the right <laughs> thing always. And so I was coming in that way, and the students look like, um, I mean, they look shell-shocked. They were just like, whoa, this is, and I would get feedback that I was too harsh. And so I had to coach. I'm, I'm a Texan. I... New York was my home at that time, and I became very much New Yorker. Uh, I come from a very cutthroat, they'll tell you when you suck type of business, thick skin. And so coming in with students, I really had to figure out a way to communicate in that I'm not being mean, I'm I'm making it better, so I'm actually being nice to you. <laughs> Yeah, this is charity, all right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If if I didn't care, I would let you suck for the rest of your life, you know? Like like I'm here to make you better and this is how you do it. But but I learned, I got better. Um now no matter like my rule of thumb is that no matter what is asked, I always say great question. Yeah. It, that's just the... just I, no matter what because I just want to encourage people to ask questions. So you can literally be like where am I? And I'll be like great question. <laughs> let's let's pull up google maps i love it that's such a small thing but i think it actually probably does make a huge difference personally for me going into college i like i had never opened editing software i had never worked a camera that was not an iphone and so when i'm in class and it seems like everyone around me kind of has a lot more experience and then i have a question it's nice to know like oh okay that wasn't a dumb question even if you're lying and it wasn't a great question it just keeps you engaged. There you go. All right. Thanks. And, I'll keep it up. It lessens the uh, imposter syndrome you get sometimes. It's a lot nicer yeah. than going, are you kidding me with that question? <laughs> not even <Yeah>. answering. <laughs> just looking at them. Like, mm -hmm. uh, no, I try and not insult students in class anymore. Kind of like when you change the, I always know the term and work when it's KISS, keep it simple, stupid. And you started saying that. And I was like, stupid. And you're like, students. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Fair. That's a lot more PC about it. I do. I say keep it simple, students. I still say that. Yep. Yeah, it's good. It's great advice, too. Oh, you guys. Oh, but this is a complaining podcast. I was going to say one thing that made me a better teacher, believe it or not. Oh, this is awful. But having a toddler made me a better teacher because, you know, toddlers, they just do whatever the hell they want. They'll throw tantrums. There's nothing you can really do. They're not there yet. And I unfortunately found it similar with undergrads uh i can use a lot of the techniques i use with my daughter and it translated to the classroom um and so that actually helped me with my my sharper edge than anything more than anything else sorry guys i hope that doesn't hurt your feelings it's <laughs> oh, good everybody has to start somewhere <laughs> what do you what what complaints do you guys have about me or about class uh, about you, there's I was a very mess. little. I am still a mess. I am still a mess. I like deadlines are random. Students that are really good at school hate me the most because, you know, they're good at school because they're good at deadlines and they're good at knowing how to study and they're good at the test taking or the essay writing. And then they come to my class and it's like, it's like a dinner party gone wild. I don't know. I don't do it <laughs> right. 
and they're just like, you said this was due then. Why don't you, you know, what what are we supposed to study for this? And it's like, if you don't know it, then you're just not doing it. You know, like, I don't know. I, I wish I was a little more um, organized, I guess, in the teaching. One of my favorite things you taught me, and this wasn't even in the classroom, it was one of our outside conversations. So I know you're saying we need to be more complaining, but a lot of this is problem solving too. And mm. I think a lot of what you taught us solved problems that we hadn't encountered yet. So it's kind of like- Oh, a, that's a good point. A, at a sequence of this a is set critical of events. solutions. Yes, exactly. Not critical complaining, even that, though we do a good bit of that. Good point. I asked if you still get nervous when you do shoots, and you told me every time, and you said because shit always goes wrong at so, somewhere, something happens, and that like I take that with me with everything I do now. Like yeah. going into this, I like get nervous. I'm like, but something's gonna go wrong. You're like, I'm gonna screw yep. up or something, and it prepared me for every life encounter. Every shoot is like the first. I have this colleague. He's so talented. He's amazing. He's in L.A. And I just, I admire him so much. He went to NYU film school. He just, I always like, he would teach me camera stuff and lenses and things. And he's the one who told me every shoot's like the first. Because for him, it's like no matter how many years, how many times he does it, there's always something that's going to trip you up. And you just got to be nimble, basically, and be able to get through it. And, and it might be equipment, but it, almost, it might also be the people around you. It might be the weather. It might be, who knows, all the random stuff that could happen in life. And uh, and so that's that, so I tell my students that now. Every shoot's the first. Put your ego at the door. That's something I, I, I think I have a problem with students. I have students. So let's take my class. I usually have one or two students that think they know everything already. <laughs> and I've learned... <laughs> that their work is always the worst. It's always so bad. And it's because they don't take any feedback. So at the end of the class, um, the students who were open to learning and didn't act like, or apparently they didn't know anything, their stuff develops and evolves and it gets good. And theirs kind of stays flat. And you know what I mean? And it's like, like, and I usually don't even say anything at that point because like you acted like you knew everything. So, you know, go for it. <laughs> we had somebody in one of our classes that was like that. So that's funny you say this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of those things where just like, I mean, especially with the shoots saying, you know, everything can go wrong. Like no matter how much, you know, I feel like I learn something new every time I go out to do anything like this. Anytime I do a shoot yeah. and edit, I find something that I'm like, oh, okay, I'll keep that in mind for next time. Same here, same here. And I've been doing it probably twice as long as you, or more than that, because I started as a kid. Yeah, I yeah. started as a kid, guys, <laughs> and my dad was an AV guy, so he, I started using equipment really early on, yeah. When you were talking about students that don't want to listen to your advice, are there times when you have clients or maybe like other colleagues you don't always work with, but you're working with them on a project when they're like that and it makes it hard to work with as they're, what do you, what do you have ways to get around that? I mean, the thing is I've all, so in my career, I've always been like a good soldier. Like, you know, I just, whatever it is, like I'll do it and I'll get it done and I'll do whatever I needs to do to get, get it done. Right. So it's hard, you know, I've never been in a situation where I'm butting heads, so to speak. Like I was never an auteur where it's like, it has to be my way or the highway. Um, I just kind of like, how can we make this uh, work? Um, But like with students or in jobs, uh, I think the biggest problem I have is in the initial beginning because it's my fault, but people think I'm younger and stupider than I am. At least, and that is experience, right? And it's it's partly because, you know, I'm wearing a hoodie 
Um, I don't, I'm not the most articulate person. I do look younger than my, my actual age. And so I come in and I'm surrounded by people who look older and more professional or whatever. Our students look at me and they see someone who's not that much older than them, even though I could be their mom and probably now at their grandma. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so getting through that initially is really tough. It takes a long time. And it's really weird because after I've worked with someone for a while, there'll be a moment, oh God, there'll be a moment where they'll be like, wow, you're really smart. And it's like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Wow! I surprised. I surprised minute, people. I did not think you were going to be that smart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god! <laughs> exactly. They're like, wow. That's great. And then after that, I, I'm someone that someone once called me a producer's producer, in that everybody wants to work with me, like have them have me on their productions, which was really cool. But it's because of that. Once people knew that I, I could give them insights that others maybe don't. But it's the initial. You know, it's it's in the beginning. It's not like that. People look at me and definitely think I'm dumb. Which actually is helpful because I went into investigative reporting, right? A dateline. And I was able to trick the shit out of people. Like I could pull <laughs> them. I went undercover as like a homeless, a, t a pregnant woman. And the woman had no question about it. She was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I could probably, I, I've never, I could probably be like the, a maid at Holiday Inn undercover. You know what I mean? I have all this like, wow. No, I have, I'm, I'm unsuspecting in a way because I don't look professional. So I think. That was actually really helpful. I could get people to talk to me because they thought I was just an idiot. <laughs> Interesting kind of reverse solution you got. almost. Here's what yeah. You got. <laughs> yeah. I'm interested to know though, when you get people who think you're dumber than you are or younger than you are, how do you tackle that to get around that and try to earn their respect, I guess, or like faith I mean, at least? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, initially, like 10 years ago, it would frustrate me a lot. So like in my 20s and, and early 30s, I'd get very frustrated um, by it. And I don't know, outwardly, I'd probably like be not as nice, I guess, uh, with them. You know, I try to be tougher. Now I've become like a lot smarter about the approach. Like I don't let my emotions take over right away. And there, and what inevitably happens is there's a like an opening for me to kind of get them to like eat their shorts in front of people. And so... So, uh, so I just wait for those moments and they happen. They always happen, especially with the jerkiest ones. And I do it. And uh, I, I hear about it afterwards in like kind of a high five way. Like, that was so cool when you said that. It's <laughs> like, I've been waiting. I've been waiting to say that to that guy <laughs> or whatever it is. Uh, but I definitely, the emotion, I've taken the emotion out of it. So I don't take it personally. I'm not as hurt by it. Um, like you said, I use it in ways that will benefit me. Do you have a story like that you could share without specifics, maybe? Yeah, I mean, um, the most recent one that comes to mind is our board here. I hope I don't get fired for this. <laughs> but there was a board member who really, I think, just looking at me and hearing me talk, I had just presented, kind of was like, literally asked me, like, do you even have experience in production? And... I was like, oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Great question. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? wow. And then I just started going. Um, I've done this, this. I was the first one to do DSLR on primetime television. I was this and that and my editing and I'm Avid certified. And I just did the litany. And then I go, oh, um, I'm kind of working backwards. Do you want me to talk about my education too? And he's like, no, <laughs> no, that's fine. 
and it was in front of all these people and so like afterwards i was like i was nervous i thought i was gonna get fired but i heard a lot of like hey uh, that was good that you did that you know like oh that's awesome people shouldn't assume i mean if you're if you have a job title that means someone hired you knowing you had the experience yeah and to ask that kind of question in front of all your colleagues and your bosses it's very insulting so yeah yeah well and how how stupid of anyone to just assume that you have no experience like you said you've been hired for a job someone checked your qualifications you hope yeah yeah you hope i guess <laughs> but yeah what a dumb question what a dumb question yeah it's that's, like that's, a movie. yeah yeah well yeah it was a little bit you know and it was on zoom and everything i wish we were recording it but anyways it's very indicative of i think what people are thinking and not saying when they meet me and even students i think even with students you know what i mean yeah I definitely but it's okay I'm okay with it. <laughs> this might give a better opportunity for you to complain about something, but um, was there a project you were really excited about, but it ended up being a disaster, such as like you were really excited to interview this specific person or to travel to this place and then ended up going horribly south? Is there a time that that I happened? I have so many stories like that. Like what's funny is that when they saw that question, I was like, which one do I talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I guess the one that I... that. I, I've told students before, and I don't know if I told you guys this story, was um, my horrible interview with Michelle Obama. Did I tell oh. you guys this story? No. Matt, no. I, what the heck? me and my reporter were so excited. So she was doing this, uh, she was uh, a guest host for, do you remember that show where they would remodel a poor person's house and then they would say, move that bus? Yeah. Okay, so she- <laughs> Yeah, that was good. So, so she was, uh, you know, she was the guest star for that that episode. And so we were invited to- being part of NBC, we were, um, oh, it was an ABC show. It doesn't matter. We were invited to interview her. for I forgot. I had arranged it, right? And so we were really looking forward to it. My reporter was so excited. Um, this is, of course, when she was by, uh, she was FLOTUS. It was in North Carolina, and it was so hot. And they had this huge crowd penned up. They wouldn't let us have our equipment, so they put it in the, in the basement of the house they were renovating. And so we didn't have access to our equipment for the longest time, I guess for security purposes. People were fainting in the crowd next to us because it was so hot and steamy. I was dying. I, I needed air conditioning. I was dying. And we had hours to wait for this, you know, for that because it's, it's a production. It was a, lot, it was a show production. And I was just hating. So I felt like crap. My hair was all frizzy. I was sweating. My reporter was panting like a dog. Like we were so hot and tired. And then finally it was time to interview. But we didn't have our equipment. So we had to like get them to take us to the basement. Michelle Obama's waiting. And, you know, with, oh, with no. them, they're like on you. Wait, why it's taking so long? Why aren't you here already? What? You know, DC people are the worst. They are just the worst. <laughs> they don't care. They're cutthroat. Um, so we do the interview as fast as we can, sweating. They gave us like five minutes, including setup. It was insanely terrible. Oh, my God. It was insanely terrible. And then as we're getting up and saying the goodbyes, I had my tripod and I swung around to like, you know, move over to say, uh, thank you. And Michelle Obama was coming toward me. The head of the tripod was going toward her body. She's way taller than me. And one of her handlers grabbed it and like <laughs> ah, brought it down and grabbed me and pushed me back. Right. Because it was very instinct to protect her. And so she, I didn't even get to shake her hand or say goodbye. I was because they had pushed me away from her and she left the room. And, oh my God. and they yelled at me afterwards and oh. yeah, it was bad. And then my reporter was so embarrassed. And then, so they all left. We were there just with a reporter. 
I'm trying to like put pack up my quick process it, whatever. We had to get to the airport, get on our flight. I had it was it was a Charlotte to LA flight direct, and I cried the whole time, bawling, hiccup, ugly oh my crying. God. And the oh, lady no. next to me was like, What's going on? And she was talking <laughs> to me about it, and I told her the whole oh. story. And she was telling me, like, I'm sure Mrs. Obama's fine with it. I'm sure she's not going to think about it. <laughs> and, and then she, and we, I remember we went, she walked with me all the way to the baggage claim where I got, you know, all our gear. And she's like, you're going to be okay. I'm like, thank you. You know, I cried. <laughs> I mean, that's like a five-hour flight, just crying and having this lady feel bad. I'm sure she just wanted oh to take a God. nap. And so that that is wow. one that sticks in my head. I mean, I wanted to write her a letter of apology. I mean, I was just like, it it haunted me for years. It obviously still haunts me. Um, and I have so many stories like that that have gone bad. The weird thing is, is I've fucked up so much that I think that has what's made me a better teacher more than anything else. So I always teach proper, like, tripod holding. How do you hold your tripod? <laughs> How do you set it up? You know, um, I don't know. Just the flashbacks running in your head. Just like, yeah. please, dude. Yeah, and, and there's other ones. I mean, yeah, there's other ones. There's actually a worse one that I just thought of, but oh, man. I'm sure there's multiple answers to this, but what is an example? I guess one thing that could have been changed to make all of that a smoother process. Like, what would you yeah. have done to solve some of that? Do you so think? I think logistically, I didn't realize just how much security would be around that area. So I think I should have asked about where we would ha have to wait and then try and make sure we got a spot in like they had these air conditioned tents for producers and for, you know, Obama and the handlers and try and make sure we were secured there. So instead of just being out in the regular scrum with people, because I think honestly, it's the, it, the day started going downhill with me and my reporter not e getting steamed up from the weather. The weather is what caused the whole thing. So that we weren't even thinking straight and we were frantic when the moment came. So I, you know, there's always things you can do to, to change things. Oh, I have another story. How much do you guys edit? How much time do you guys have? Is this all just live? As much as you have to give us. Yeah, well, we I can was edit just thinking anything a better, in or out. A better story than my Obama story is my Snoop Dogg story. Did I ever tell you guys that one? <laughs> Briefly about yeah, this one. Yeah, that's right. Okay, then never mind. I Briefly. won't rehash it. I won't rehash our, it. But our that audience was, has it though. That was pretty bad as well. Well, what if he listens to it? Do you think he'll Most like... Snoop Dogg listens to our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be shitting myself, Tony. <laughs> you never know. Basically, you told us enough he'd remember the interview anyway, <laughs> since he was <laughs> some things during it. I don't think he would remember the interview, no. Or maybe he would, because that's how angry he was. I don't know. <laughs> It's so much funnier because he's everybody thinks of him like the chill pothead guy. And yeah. Then you tell us this, and it was no. fucking hilarious. Oh, if he was listening to your podcast, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that bitch. Fuck that bitch." Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's how bad it was, audience. Hey, but he hasn't been on our podcast, so who really got the best of who out of this whole situation? There you go. You know? There you go. So. You've done a lot of important interviews, it sounds like, right? Michelle Obama, Snoop Dogg, probably a few more that you haven't even told us about. I don't know if they're important, but interesting. Yeah, Michelle Obama, <laughs> she's not important. She <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what we asked her. I couldn't even tell you. Oh, I mean, man. how could you? Your, your memory's probably all wiped from the traumatic 
yeah. Secret Service and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to say about that the the woman that was helping you on the airplane. I know you probably thought you made it miserable for her, but how many times has she told that story to other oh. people? Yeah, you're right. Maybe she was like, you won't believe this And she was crying because she almost hit her with something. <laughs> she was helping you out. She was solving uh, a problem, maybe. Uh, you know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. At least you didn't hit her with the tripod. You would have been charged for, like, treason or something. <laughs> <laughs> Those things hurt, too. Like, they're good weapons. Yeah, they're heavy. <laughs> was it a secret service, then, that was there? I can't. I, I don't know if it's Secret Service because they. It's not like they dressed like you see in the movies. They were dressed like kind of just in, in uh, suits, uh. but like like more like um like anyone you would see dressed in a suit for work. So okay. I didn't know. And the, she was surrounded by PR people, people we were working with, people who were taking notes, people who were hand taking her to the next thing. So I don't know exactly. It could have been, or it could have just been someone who just reacted very smartly. Uh. Unrelated, but was that your only time you did an interview on the set of the Home Improvement? On the Move the Bus show? I don't even yeah. remember. <laughs> okay. I, I will your... never oh, do another shoot with the Move the Bus people, man. That was the worst. <laughs> yeah. First and last. <laughs> did you meet any of the the people the cast from the show? Or uh, no, like, we we weren't interested. We weren't interested in meeting them, so I wasn't. I didn't even watch that show, so I didn't know much about it. It wasn't until afterwards that I was okay. like realized that it was a big show we were there just because of the obama thing i used to watch that religiously growing up so that kind of like oh, peaked. really uh-huh. <laughs> yeah and so i found out as i got older the tie i don't mind but the host i think it was like ty pennington or whatever and i heard he's a huge dick so that's why i was wondering oh, if you met him no he did come out and like wave to the crowd at one point but i thought it was a I thought it was kind of shitty that they were letting their fans like faint and collapse everywhere. You know what I mean? And like making them wait out in that heat. It was it was pretty dire. It was it was there was an apocalyptic feeling to it. Like with being in a crowd oh of God. people sweating too and fainting. It was weird. Well, yeah, because that's part. You know, when we were talking about solutions to this and what you could have done better, that was my thought. Is like, well, what what could the show have done better to? make a better yeah. environment for everyone there. You know, like uh-huh. the fact that anyone was fainting at all yeah. is a problem right there. Well, you know, the the elements like weather, such a huge impact on any field production because I've dealt with so many different weather environments and random things that happen because of heat or a moisture or snow or blizzards. And I wonder why I'm so bad at checking the weather. Like, I, I need to be better about checking <laughs> the weather before I go on a shoot so that I can prepare for it properly, you know? And it's just weird. It's weird how we forget about that stuff. Yeah, all, all the things that can go wrong and the one you don't think about is the only one you can't control. Yeah, but it's also the, the one that you can actually see and check on yeah. and, like, true. at least pack an umbrella for or something. So solving that problem is just having better weather apps on her phone, sounds like. Check the weather. <laughs> like, I could have bought one of those little fans you get at Walgreens or whatever to keep us, or they have the spray bottle on them or something to keep us okay, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, I don't know. I got to be better about the weather. Which is funny because you always are super prepared, I feel like, when we go, when did, like, the few shoots I did with you, and you're like, I have snacks. You had all these little things that I would never have <laughs> thought of, and I'm like, God, that's genius. And I only prepare now, like, a maybe a quarter of what I used to prepare for shoots before, you know? Um, really? Oh, yeah. I used to prepare for ex- everything except the weather, I guess. Um, 
but <laughs> <laughs> but um the snacks thing was actually something that I had a mentor of mine at Berkeley told me he's like if you have hungry crew you're not going to have a shoot like hungry crew is the the killer of shoots so just make sure you have like almonds or something so that people can at least get through the shoot that's such a good idea uh-huh. well and it's it's definitely interesting seeing the differences in like how me and Josh will prepare for a shoot versus how you with all this experience will prepare because it's kind of the thing where like every time I go out something goes wrong so for the next time it's like okay Add that to prepare the better for that yeah so it's just it's funny to see like oh you've just had that many more things yes. go wrong exactly exactly like things that are in my kit that we, people would look at and like why do you have that like I have those little sheets of paper that absorb oil and it's like because oh, wow. I used to work with reporters, and if they got oily, I would use that because, you know, they, they will get shiny, and, and we don't use makeup, so things like that. It just, after the years, yeah, they pile up, and your bags get heavier. Yeah, and I remember one of the most interesting things that you told us to bring was, I don't remember, you, you gave out a few different suggestions, but one was like a bean bag. Mm-hmm. For yeah. your camera or whatever it is. It's yeah. just like such a random thing to need. Oh, it saved my life on a shoot once. I think that's probably why I told you that story about climbing that mountain. Like I had to follow someone who climbed Everest, but not on Everest. We went and climbed this other very smaller mountain. And I, and you can't carry a tripod on that. So if you have that beanbag, you get that nice steady shot. You just park it on a rock or something. Yeah. Clever. <laughs> a lot of problem solving you have to do. Sounds like. On or the if spot. you're shooting, yeah, if you're shooting out of a car, you can use it to balance on the dash or on the window edge. You know, it's 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 a nice stabilizer. It's really. I mean, it's just like one big critical solutions episode every shoot. You know, yeah. you just need, you need to find those solutions. <laughs> well, hopefully, there's not as much uh, complaining. I'm sorry, I got the theme wrong. I can't. It stuck in my head because Josh, you'd pitched this in the podcasting yeah. class. And I was just so turned off by the idea of just hearing people complain about things. And I told you that, right? I, I, mean, I was yeah. like, there's got to yeah. be some hope or something. <laughs> but you helped shape the whole show because my initial approach was my brother and I would do funny um, written reviews. Um, he made a site. He's like, I just wanted to complain and somewhat to vent. And he made a site called I Fucking Hated It. Uh-huh. I like, kind of approached <laughs> you with it. And I was like, it would just be like an audio version. You're like, But people aren't going to listen to that. And so I was like. I feel like there's a market where people will, but I do need to get the other people. And that's where I came up with the solving it afterwards to try there to make it constructive. Go. There you go. And so I think it does the help. Show. I think it does help. But what but another thing is something that and I think I mess I when I listened to your last episode when you guys were talking about the Roomba and I was literally using my Roomba at that moment. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, yes. Like I was so there is something cathartic about hearing someone else grumble about things that have been bothering you, but maybe you don't want to say out loud or you're not the complainer type like me. So yeah, yeah. I can I can now I see it. So sorry. Sorry about that feedback. <laughs> no, it's all good. Good feedback. <laughs> I've always seen this podcast as like you know, you're on the way to work and you're upset because you got to go to work. You flip on the podcast and who is it? It's us complaining about going to work. You know, it's so like, those, you know what? Okay, now I feel a little bit better. Those angry people driving that I had mentioned earlier that <laughs> yeah, are yeah. going to have a heart attack early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one less person on the road yelling at you. Misery loves company, right? So <laughs> we figure. So there's that like the here's complain about little things. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good idea. Yeah, now I see that. You, I've come around. So I am curious to know from a professional what you think we could improve on this podcast. Well, I've only listened to one episode. Sorry. Wow, fake fan. I know. 
You don't trust us. I don't have anything to, uh, to safe to improve on, but I am curious about the video aspect because my students all want to do video and I don't understand. I think it's an age gap thing, how that makes it a podcast. It's like kind of like a talk show, like The View or something to me. Uh, yeah. So enlighten me. Why do we call this a podcast and not a talk show? Uh, so our primary audience definitely comes from just audio only. Okay. We don't get a ton on the video part. I think what kind of inspired us to get into it, when we were talking about podcasts, we like almost all of them have a video mm -hmm. with it. Yeah, people love the video part. It seems to be like the the new wave. Yes, it's yeah. just all podcasts yeah. have video. And it's fun if they mention something where it's like you need to look at something like that or I want to see somebody's reaction or a guest is on, I want to see what they look like. I mm -hmm. just like will pop into the video for a little bit, and then if I'm busy, I've switched back to the audio only or something like that. It throws my teaching on its head because my whole <laughs> approach is that uh, it's an audio forward, intimate medium where you use your imagination. And then I have this whole, you know, I have these 16 students in front of me, you're like, yeah, but I watch my podcast. And it's like, yeah. Well, then. Well, maybe we should name this TV class. Like, I don't... <laughs> it, it is still a valuable skill, I think, to be able to make something for audio only and just kind of like take everything yeah. video out of your mind. Yeah. Because it's, it's way different. It's way different. I think it's, you know, I guess now I'm in my head, I'm just being a purist, but I'm. it's like how when we teach video production, we're not teaching YouTube skills, right? We're teaching yeah, like, yeah. so I guess in my, I guess that's how I should delineate it now. I like realize that there's podcasting video, which a lot of people way younger than me like, but for me, we're going to stick to the audio storytelling. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I like how you did it. I think because for me, at least the video is certainly an afterthought. Like, well, we have it, but I'm not like tweaking color and doing cool effects, things like that. It's more mm -hmm. just if they want to look at us, here it is. But I think some that kind of inspired at least me to get video on some of this is Howard Stern. Ever mm -hmm. since I was little, he's yeah. always had video with it. And that made it so much more interesting when you hear these characters he gets on, but yeah. then you get to see them with it. Yeah. And it reminds me of like Rush Limbaugh. He had like this random, like, you know, security camera in his booth and people would watch that live stream, <laughs> you know, this pre, you know, and then this predates this kind of podcasting world. So, so I, yeah, I guess I'm just, uh, I need to narrow down my approach, but most of my students are, watching their podcasts and I'm kind of trying to teach them how to do audio only podcasts whatever I think that's good because it makes them have to make sure the audio is great I feel like if you make it where they can't have video I don't think that's a bad approach obviously I'm not a professor because then they have to focus on the audio side because you teach so much video I would have been disappointed if I took podcasting and you focused on video side mm -hmm. and like, All right, we do yeah, this in other sure. classes exactly so. yeah yeah people don't realize I do have a radio background but it's way back in my undergrad years uh, so I'm tapping into a lot of that for this time because it's what I did for fun. Uh, it's not what I did for career, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think the other thing is that the the video, like Josh said, we're not focused on it. So like, I think there's much less to teach in terms of making your podcast with video, except for that you just kind of structure it differently because people can see you. You know? Yeah, and I'm thinking now that your listeners probably like, uh, I guess I should be watching the video because this conversation <laughs> is not making any sense right now. <laughs> yeah, boost YouTube views, people. Yeah. There you go. I They're would good. say a, a random other uh, benefit that has happened, I have a friend who I actually met at Purdue who's a foreign exchange student. So he lives in Colombia now, and his first language is Spanish. 
and he likes the video because he can go to the YouTube and turn on subtitles. Mm, oh, yeah. It makes it more accessible in a way because YouTube does the automatic captioning. Uh-huh. Yep. Makes sense. We For a while, we're uploading just like our artwork and then the audio to YouTube, but like nobody watches that. And the moment we had even some sort of video on there, our views were better. Mm-hmm. So just because like the algorithm picks it up more, whatever's yeah. happening with it. Okay. So that's kind of a push for us. So it's not that I don't allow video. It's just me and my head. I let, I allow video, but I definitely make them explain why. Like they have to justify it. So that's it. Yeah, makes sense. Uh-huh. Getting it on YouTube, you like now they've kind of forced you to have a video aspect. That's the main reason I think we kind of do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adds another layer. And they want to see you, you know. It's been nice seeing you guys. It's been a while, <laughs> so pretty good. Yeah, it's been good it's seeing you fun. too. <laughs> Thanks for spending time and joining us today this was a lot of a lot of good talks yeah it was like office hours (laughs) yeah 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 well we'll keep listening to your podcast i hope you keep going with it it is fun to listen to how it's going with the students we'll have new students on to interview this semester so we'll see how we'll see how it goes all right well thank you guys i appreciate it yeah thanks tony of course hopefully we can do this again sometime and you have more maybe when you're angry you're gonna have things to complain about All right, I'll call you first. (laughs) Sounds good. You're welcome on the podcast anytime. Thanks for listening. New episodes released every Monday. Be sure to rate the podcast and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to watch the video of the episode, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Critical Solutions. Visit our website at criticalsolutions.com and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Links to our socials are in the episode description. All right, man. This was fun. See you next week. All right. See you, man.